From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. This episode is number 121. I am Brad Robinson. I have a Q&A podcast episode for you today. Um, I'm answering questions related to sleep disorders, why people suffering from severe anxiety have trouble going to bed and wake up with terror and panic attacks in the middle of the night. I'm also talking about Googling symptoms and what I would do after I would Google a symptom, how I would feel, what I would do. And then I'm talking about the fear of flying. So before I get into those questions from you, I want to talk about your comments on the Groundhog Day movie interpretation series that I just completed. And I found that series to be rewarding. It was it was absolutely rewarding. And I hope you found it to be rewarding and it, that movie's so deep. I can talk about that movie a lot longer than I previously talked about, but I want to go over your comments on that episode, on those episodes, start, starting with uh, Sabello. Sabello says, loved the podcast. I would listen to more of these. Thank you, Sabello. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do more of these in the future. Depends on how how well they turn out. So, but I'm always going to keep that in my back pocket and you never know. Uh, Fab92 says, you really opened up some doors for me breaking down this movie. I'm going to re-listen to the episodes. Love them. Well, thank you, Fab. Um, I appreciate that comment. Um, Yeah, re-listen to those episodes because they're so deep. There's a lot of information in those episodes and in that movie. It's, it's, It's crazy. Uh, Leo S. says, Crazy deep. The constant slaps from Rita as an orientation sign was brilliant. I never looked at it like that. I have to re-watch the movie. Um, thank you, Leo. Uh, yeah, the, I found that to be quite interesting because we get those slaps every day. I mean, we, you know, if you say something to someone and they find it to be offensive or they don't agree with you, not not necessarily agree with you, but they they find that, or you find that what what you're saying is causing a lot of negative reactions, you can adjust yourself and what you say the next day, right? And and that's being aware, having that awareness. And you see that in the movie. Phil recognizes that when he says something to Rita and she and she finds it to be offensive and negative, he's like, oh, you know, I, I want to readjust that and 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 not do that tomorrow. And it's brilliant. And I love that in the movie. That message is so profound. It's it's powerful. So thank you for your comments. Um, I didn't go over your comments during the Groundhog Day movie interpretation episodes because there's so much I wanted to get into that I didn't want to uh, spend like a good five minutes of the opening 
doing those comments. But going forward, I am going to catch up and talk of, and mention your comments. So uh, don't worry about that. Um, I am going to go over your comments um, going forward. So I want to start off the first question with James. He says or asks, most videos don't talk about sleep disorders and anxiety. Can you talk about this? And yes, definitely. I remember when I was a kid, I used to suffer from a lot of anxiety at night because I was fearful of not getting enough sleep and then not performing well the next day, whether it was at school or I think mostly school because I was really young. I was in elementary school when I was having these anxiety uh, attacks at night. And if I didn't go to bed in the next half an hour to an hour, I would get up from bed and start to worry. Why am I not getting enough sleep? If I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be healthy. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to function properly. And looking back, I wonder why I was thinking those things because I was a kid, right? I had a lot of energy. Of course, I wasn't sleeping. I should have gotten up and played with my toys. If I didn't sleep, I should have gotten up and read something or, you know, or, or play with my Legos. And I realize now that I must have had a lot of beliefs, whether it was from my parents or from someone else or, or the TV or whatever it was. I'm not quite sure because it was so long ago, but I must have absorbed these beliefs of not getting enough sleep equals bad health or, you know, poor function the next day. And when I was younger, if I didn't go to bed, I would get up and worry about not sleeping. I would, I would have anxiety late at night. And I, I read something interesting in a book called why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Amazing book. And he says in the book that there's a period in our lives when we're teenagers up until our 20s that we go to bed later and then we get up later. That's just how it is. And, and I found this to be quite interesting because I look back and I realized that yeah, during my teens, I would go to bed late and I would get up later. And I think that's just how our cycle is. I'm not sure up until what age this cycle lasts until, but looking back at my childhood, I realized that I, w I just wasn't tired. I, mean, I was probably going to bed too early, right? That's probably the case. And I should have played with my toys longer until uh, my body told me to go to sleep, like until my body said, okay, time to rest. I wasn't listening to my body, right? And a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't listen to our body. But <clears throat> that cycle, the cycle where we go to bed later and wake up later ends somewhere in our 20s and then we tend to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier, right? And so the cycle shifts. And then in my 20s, I started to have a lot of this night anxiety. 
And before I get into that night anxiety, I just want to talk about repressed emotional issues. And repressed emotional issues, they reemerge while at night. So if you've done, uh, if you've been through some trauma, which we've all been through, you know, embarrassing moments, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's an accident, maybe you're, you're hyper aware of your, of something, uh, of a symptom and you have severe health anxiety or whether it's a breakup or a loss of a loved one, some sort of trauma can re-emerge itself when we are asleep. It can make itself known. That's like the the Jaws poster. You know the Jaws poster where the woman's sleep or or swimming at the top of the poster and then there's a giant shark coming up from the depths. That's like when you're sleeping, the 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 dragons and the monsters come out in the dark, right? And especially when we're sleeping, because that's when we're most vulnerable. And the fears that I had would wake me up in the middle of the night because this was at the time I was struggling with health anxiety. So I was extremely sensitive over, over, like at this time that I was having night terrors, I believed that I had cancer. I believed that I had a UTI, urinary tract infection. I believed I had something wrong with my kidneys and I would wake up in the middle of the night with panic. And, and I'm not sure what it is. Like, it felt like I couldn't breathe. I would wake up panting and that would frighten me. I would think to myself, what if I go back to sleep and I don't wake up because I, I stopped breathing? And then so I would have trouble getting back to bed. I would, I would toss and turn for most of the night. And it, it, that was a, a tough time in my life. So if we refuse to face these underlying issues during the day, we clearly can't face these issues at our most vulnerable self during the night. Definitely not, because we're most vulnerable. And our bodies are telling us, and my body was telling me, something needs to be figured out. Jordan Peterson, the clinical psychologist, talks about a a very interesting story of his nephew. And his nephew was having night terrors. And the nephew would run up to Jordan and his sister and would talk about um, what he was dreaming about. And the nephew was saying, well, in my dream, there were all of these uh, trolls with beaks these dwarves with beaks and they would come and attack me and there would be this dragon and whenever the dragon would breathe smoke and fire more dwarves would appear and start attacking me and and Jordan was like well no wonder you're having night terrors like that's a horrible dream but then he said to his nephew what can you do about it about that so that's a loaded question what can you do about that and then the nephew was like well I could get a sword and shield and and then slice through the the dragon's throat and 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 take out the firebox within the dragon and then use that firebox as a shield and then kill off the remaining dwarves and then now I won't have any issues anymore and then Jordan was like yeah do that and then as soon as his nephew came up with the solution. He's, he stopped having those night terrors 
because he came up with a solution. A lot of the time we're wrestling with problems and not coming up with solutions. So when we are asleep, those problems reemerge and it's our body's way of telling us that, hey, there are these underlying unresolved issues that need to be addressed. You have to resolve them. But we grow up not knowing how to resolve them. And so we, we tend to repress them even more. But they keep coming back because you can't hide away from the monsters in the dark. And so as you just heard from Jordan Peterson's nephew's story, he came up with a solution and then he stopped having night terrors. He was, he, he was, he was dreaming about a problem and since he didn't have a solution to that problem, he kept dreaming of the problem until he talked about the solution to him. And then all of a sudden, now that he has a solution, he doesn't need to, well, his body naturally says, we don't need to dream about it anymore, or you don't have to be fearful of this anymore. We've solved the problem, right? So that's just really powerful. And so I remember in my 20s, I would have a strong fear of failure, a very, very strong fear. I remember getting called into work in the film industry, and I would be like, oh my God, what if I don't get enough sleep tonight? And then I go into work tomorrow and I don't perform properly. And so I remember myself lying in bed, rolling around, and I would get up and be like, oh my God, what if, what if, what if all of these what if thoughts would emerge? And looking back, what I would have done instead, I would get up from bed and then I would write down all of the things that I'm pondering about, like what's on my mind. I would write it all down. All the what if thoughts, I'll write it down. I'll write down my schedule. So I wake up at this time, I will arrive on set at this time. I will meet the crew at this time. And adding order to the chaos is crucial because I used to have no order. I used to I used to go to bed without having things prepped. And preparation is key. You want to have your sword and shield prepped. You want to have your armor ready to go so that when you go and fight the dragon, you have a better chance at conquering that dragon and I found that the more I would prep the night before the more I would get things ready the more I would write things down the more I would spend time and relax before bed having that time to calm down my system to write things out to organize the following day I found that things were crazily better like unbelievably better so a routine is necessary. And if you're in that chaos, it's really important to add more order. What can you do to add more order? Like I said, write it down, write a list, write a schedule down, have the same sleep and wake times as much as you can, because we are habitual creatures. We are routine creatures. We need routine. Our unconscious wants to run us unconsciously, right? So the more you have a routine down, the more you're going to feel mentally stable rather than drifting outwards into the unknown. So I hope 
I answered your question, uh, James, the best, uh, and I, I think I did the best way I could. Um, now I'm going to answer Nikita's question. She says, what did you do after you Googled a symptom? Now, after I Googled a symptom, there were a couple things I did. Um, well, first I would feel anxious and some Google responses would heighten my anxiety. And then there would be some Google responses that would lessen my anxiety and make me think everything is fine. So those forums where you you go and you see multiple people talk about the same symptoms and they say, that just makes you feel better because you're not the only one. That adds some order, you know, to the chaos, but it's not useful. But the, the, the also the question I ask myself is, why would I go back on Google after I feel better going on Google for answers? Why would I go back on Google three minutes later? And that's because I would butt all over myself. I was butting all over myself. So what that means is I would say, but what if it's this thing? Or but what if it's that thing? But what if and, and all of that what if would lead me back onto Google, even though I thought I had the answers. And I was out in the dark parts of the woods at that point. When I didn't know it was anxiety, the symptoms were related to anxiety. I was in the woods. And that's this is what happens when you're in the, the woods, right? When you're lost in the woods, you're in unfamiliar territory, and that produces anxiety because it's the uncertainty, right? And I was looking for a map, right? Googling my symptoms, I was looking for a map, right? I was in chaos. I was in unknown territory. So it's the uncertainty. And Google provides thousands of different opinions, right? So you might find one opinion that you want to settle on but you know inside that it could be one of the other more serious opinions. So even though you found a, a, an opinion that you, you, you settle on, you know in your mind, at the back of your mind, that what if it's that other opinion? And this can lead you more into the unknown. And also, I would react to the most serious illnesses Google offered, right? Because I, I was unconsciously looking out for those serious illnesses because I already believed I was suffering deeply from something serious, right? I already believed unconsciously that I was unhealthy. And so I was looking for information unconsciously that was fitting with my already settled beliefs. And that reaction to that serious illness Google was providing gets stored in my unconscious because it was highly emotional. When I would react to that, that medical term on Google, I would be highly emotional about it. And so my unconscious would store that information because it's a potential threat. It's a potential threat to my life, so it becomes a higher value in my life. And so now 
that it's a higher value, my focus would be of that. And also I had no trust in my body. I had no trust. And the more I was disciplined with healthy habits, the more I viewed myself as healthy and not someone suffering from every known illness out there. So the more I was spending time with myself meditating or doing breathing exercises or uh, taking those hot baths or exercising or connecting with nature, the more I was doing those things, the more I was building up this new foundation of healthy Brad, the healthy Brad foundation, the healthy Brad, Brad foundation included all of these healthy habits, right? And now I started to wake up believing more that I was healthy because I meditate, because I'm eating healthy, I'm more conscious about what I'm eating and I'm more healthy because I go out and spend time with nature and because I do breathing exercises. And so over time, I was building this new identity, right? And also you have to replace Googling symptoms with another healthy habit, right? And and, so, and a habit could be one of the habits I just mentioned, right? So thank you for your question. Um, the third question I'm answering today is from Angela. She says, can you talk about the fear of flying? Yes, definitely. Because I remember a time when I was on a flight with Maggie and I had some anxiety on that flight. And this was during my anxiety recovery. I remember on takeoff, I would pay attention to those symptoms. The anxiety symptoms would emerge in the plane. And then it was challenge time. And, I, and at that point, I knew it was a challenge. So I knew how to handle um, that anxiety. But anxiety in a, in a place that you feel like you can't get out of is quite scary. It really is. And I remember being at concerts, like at the symphony with Maggie before and having panic come about while I was sitting there. It was silent. The symphony was playing. And then all of a sudden I would feel the symptoms, my heart racing. I would feel the shallow breathing, the tingly sensations, the uh, shallow depth of field, and also the racing heart, the nausea, especially the nausea. And at that point, I would be like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. So it was enclosed spaces that I felt the most fearful of. Being in a place where emergency personnel is not close by to help you, also being in a place where you could embarrass yourself while struggling with a health issue, right? So when I would feel that nausea, I would say to myself, oh my God, what if I throw up and I embarrass myself in front of all these people? What if I got up and left the concert venue, but how can I get up? I'll, I'll just disrupt other people's uh, experience of the concert. So I would feel stuck there. And being on a plane, it's the same it's the same thing, but it's even 
it can be even more frightening because you're in the air. There's no escaping, right? You're up thousands of feet up in the, in the sky. It can be quite scary, but it's the same idea. It's being in those tight places. Um, also, for me, being in a, a place of no escape can be was a classroom setting for me. Being in a classroom type setting where, you know, if I was struggling with a health issue, I don't want everybody in the classroom to judge me. I don't want to get up and leave and disrupt the class. I don't want to be questioned by anybody. And so that would cause me a lot of anxiety, the snowball of the what if thoughts. And my symptoms would enhance because I'd be so hyper focused of the symptoms that it would become like a loop, right? You, the anxiety produces the symptoms and then your reaction over the symptoms causes more anxiety and then the more anxiety causes more symptoms and it's quite scary. And so what do you do in that situation when you're on a plane? Well, first think to yourself that this is a challenge, that now is a great opportunity to be more than you were yesterday, to, to face that dragon to become stronger mentally. And it's important not to distract yourself. A lot of people want to go on YouTube or watch a movie, an in-flight movie. But what happens when you do that is your anxiety is still there and you're not going to enjoy that movie at all because you're going to watch the movie and then 10 minutes into the movie, you're going to feel restless and you're going to feel the symptoms and then your mind's going to wander off and you're going to feel more anxious. And so watching, like distracting yourself with like a movie is not a good idea. What you want to do is write it down, write your feelings down on paper, write all of the negative thoughts you're thinking, but also how you're feeling and you want to spend that time with yourself. You have to let the feelings flood into you. And you have to let them go. Because when you sit with those feelings, it's painful. It really is painful. It's hard. A lot of people don't want to do that. But when you do that, it's painful, but then it subsides more rapidly. Because you're, you're facing them. You're coming into contact with them. And you're becoming more aware that even though you're feeling these feelings the, and these symptoms, you can't overcome them. Right? You want to be aware that you can overcome them. So when you spend time feeling those feelings and then they start to subside and, and then you see yourself surviving, that's the thing. You want to see yourself surviving those symptoms. So if you're distracting yourself with a movie, you're not really seeing yourself surviving. You're coping. You want to sit with yourself and watch and witness that you can overcome pain, that you can push through this temporary experience. That's really, really important. Also, what you can do is watch a video, but not just any video. Watch a video of your mentor talking about anxiety and, and what to do, techniques, right? I used to listen to so many different anxiety recovery podcasts. 
I used to listen to a lot of self-help podcasts. I still actually do listen to a lot of self-help podcasts. But when I was going through my recovery and in times of panic, listening to these, my mentors, listening to my mentors talk about anxiety and what to do really helped me in times of anxiety, right? So listen to your mentors. But also you want to spend time with yourself. It's really important. You want to spend time with yourself and you want to um, pay attention to your self-talk. Your self-talk can lead you down a bad road. You sometimes I had to sit with those feelings. Even while on that plane with Maggie, my fiance, being on that plane, I had to sit with those feelings. Sit with them. No matter how painful it was, and it was damn painful, no matter how scary the thoughts were, I just had to witness myself survive and get through it. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for your questions. If you have a question for me, please go to unpluganxiety.com. And you can ask me anything there. There's a contact page. Also, you can send me questions on Instagram. Also, YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate it. And I would greatly appreciate you to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Please go and rate and review this podcast. That would mean the world to me. And don't let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com. Recovery starts now.